Ifley Road. So just round the corner. So this would have been our local church if you'd been going when we first got married. And uh, it's just a privilege to be here. As Andrew was saying, we've got a family that, that, that live here as well and we're connected to and we love to come over and see from time to time. And it's just a, a privilege and a joy to be here. And we, we, we have a particular affection for um, the vineyard movement uh, as well, uh, particularly me, because my entire theological framework has been shaped by particularly the teaching of John Wimber over the years, and therefore that shaped the, the, the church that we led and uh, the ministry that we're involved in. And, uh, and we've always just felt cheered on ourselves by the vineyard, and we've always wanted to cheer the vineyard on. And so we, we cheer you on in what you're doing here, because you, you, you are a remarkable church that has history. You've been around for quite some time now, and you've gone through different seasons and through different chapters, and the Lord has used you to bless many, many people in all, all sorts of ways, and uh, you have a legacy that's touched the lives of many, uh, and I want to encourage you to keep doing that in the work that you do, because uh, in the end, as we've heard so many times, all of us, the local church is the hope of the world, and what happens here you know, impacts this community, impacts the region, and impacts beyond. And We were in our little local church this morning, <clears throat> greatly blessed by uh, the ministry there, and uh, the preacher was preaching, and he was just reminding us that uh, it's in this place when we're together, when we do together what we do on our own day by day, in whichever place the Lord positions us, that it's when we're together that something very special happens as we host the presence of God together. And just that, uh, that sense of we were, as we were worshipping and as we were together, just that sense of the presence of God here is tangible and precious and to be guarded and we just want to encourage you in that and I don't know at the end of the weekend it's been a fascinating weekend I don't know is it sometimes when you get to the end of the weekend do you sometimes feel like you know your laptop or your pc when you've got all those tabs open on safari or or chrome you've got too many tabs open and you're not quite sure which ones to look at you've got all these things going through your mind and you know that monday's coming and you've got all the business of tomorrow and somewhere in the background you can hear music coming from your laptop and you don't know where that's coming from at all and I, for us I, I, for me anyway I feel like I've got many tabs open you know we're in the middle of moving house at the moment and we're you know I'm Mr. Painter and Decorator for a while and uh, you know we're just coming to the end of my time with Hope for Justice and uh, we, we've got a, a, another grandchild on the way that may arrive this evening and you know it's all sorts of excitement going on and, and, and yet there's this precious moment here where we're together and the Lord is meeting with us, and he's ministering to us, and he has a word for us. And uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Andrew and Mandy for inviting us to be here, for, uh, for, for me being here. And as Andrew was saying, um, <clears throat> we, we, we have a, a background in church leadership where we know what it is to, to, to give ourselves to and be committed to building a community of people that are committed to pursuing the presence of Christ, to, to explore what it means to be committed to one another. Uh, what it means to make a difference in the place that God positions us, where we want to welcome everybody and anybody, where we sort of acknowledge that nobody's perfect, but when God is in the house, anything is possible. And so it's with that that I, I, I really come to, to share a little bit about the, the work of Hope for Justice and, 
that the work that, that they have that we're involved in. And at Hope for Justice, we sit alongside all, all sorts of other movements that are involved in this sort of arena of ministry, whether it's IJM, International Justice Mission, um, you know, um, Justice and Motion, Justice and Care, uh, the Salvation Army, all sorts of different organizations. But, but I am passionate about this area. I don't know whether you know this, but that there are um, in excess of 40 million people trapped in um, modern-day slavery. And that is a conservative sort of estimate. 152-plus million children in child labor. And, and I, I believe that with this sort of precious gift of life that we're given, we are simply called to employ all that we have to make a difference in the lives of others, in the places where we're planted. And I believe that, I know you believe this, because I think it was the vineyard that taught me this in the first place as I sought to understand scripture, that, you know, that God is a God of justice. You know, that God is a God who loves to rescue um, you know, the, the, the poor. You know, he, he's someone who longs to bring his presence, his peace, his shalom to those who are uh, suffering in slavery. And, and I believe that he wants to renew us in our understanding and our passion to reach the least and, and, and the lost. So I, I just want to tell you a story um, about a, a, a woman called Lottie who, who, who came to England a few years ago on the promise of, of work and she was betrayed and she was kept as a domestic slave and she was a little bit like a modern day Cinderella really. And she was forced to live in an unfurnished room and she had to live off the scraps of food that the family that she worked for provided for her. She was working seven days a week in excess of 13 hours a day. And she was um, abused on a regular basis. But the product of that, that, that abuse was a beautiful son. And this son was born into slavery. And, and, and Lottie just knew that she had to do something about that, that she couldn't live with that situation as it was. And, uh, and it, it somehow, desperately, she found out about the, the, the work of Hope for Justice. She connected with us. She reached out for us. And within 24 hours, she was rescued from the plight that she was in. And the investigators who rescued her um, I, I heard them say this, uh, um, and I've spoken to them about this. They said it was incredibly moving to see her at a later date in a safe house. Emotional, of course, but happy. And she pointed out to her son, who was fast asleep on the bed, and, and said for the first time she'd seen her son sleep as a free person. And she knew that he'd have food to eat, and she wouldn't have to worry where the next meal was going to come from. And it seems to me that, that, that when you hear, and there are, there are many, many stories like that, tragically, when you hear a story like that, uh, it's something you, you, you're moved by. You have to do something about it. And, and there are people like Lottie living in slavery in our communities all around us here in the UK and around the world. And over 200 years after the abolition of the slave trade, you know, whether it's called modern-day slavery or human trafficking, it is serious organized crime. It is big business. It's sort of very low risk for those that are the perpetrators, very high rewards financially. 
And, and, and we know, don't we, that, that there are women and girls who are lured into exploitation, forced to service others for the profit of their tra traffickers, controlled by violence or drugs, manipulated, believing there's nothing else for them. Men desperate to provide for um, their families take up jobs that seem legitimate, unaware that they're going to become trapped in a, a, a cycle of sort of forced labor, as it were, that their passports are taken, their wages are taken from them, threats are made against their families back, back home, and stories of retribution to those who try and escape are passed around. And, and, and these sort of stories, these circumstances, paralyze the victims of, of, of um, modern-day trafficking. And in many cases, these men and these women are wasting away from a lack of food, from constant abuse, uh, you know, thinking that they're one word away from a beating. And it's physically and emotionally devastating. So Ben Cooley, who Karen and I have known for, for a number of years now, um, founded Hope for Justice uh, back in 2008, um, 10 years ago. And he went to a talk that was a little bit like this, frankly. Uh, and he heard one particular fact, that 1.2 million children are trafficked um, every year on top of the millions already held in slavery. And at the time, he, he had a little girl who was age three, and he found himself thinking that if that was his little girl, he would do something about it. And then he had this moment when you know, the, the, the lights went on in his mind and his thinking, and, and he, he realized that it was someone's daughter. It was someone else's daughter. And he knew that he needed to do something to help set these daughters free, as it were. And so out of that, hope for justice was birthed and, and born. Because he would always think to himself, it's always someone's daughter, it's always someone's husband, it's always someone's family member. So today, just a little bit about Hope for Justice. You know, we, we have a team of investigators, we have lawyers, advocates, support staff, um, experienced professionals who rescue people trapped in modern-day slavery around the UK and around the world. And we get people out of those situations of abuse. We get them into safe houses, working closely with the police and the authorities. You may have, we've actually done quite a lot of work with uh, the, the, the police authorities down through the Thames Valley Corridor um, because there have been quite a number of issues in, in this area. Uh, in, and, and then we support the victims with sort of housing and welfare, other supports, assistance through the prosecution process to see the prosecution of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, of the perpetrators, of, of their traffickers. And so you hear about prosecution on the news from time to time, the various documentaries that, uh, that we've been a part of on Sky News or the BBC News. But now, just this is a brief history of Hope for Justice, 10 years on, we're operating in 23 locations, 23 hubs in, in, um, around the world in 10 different countries. And at any one point, as we seek to prevent exploitation before anything else, we have over 700 children in our restorative care programs. We're reaching about 25,000 children every year. Uh, and last year alone, 870 children were reintegrated back into their families. So we rescue hundreds of victims of modern-day slavery, navigating incredibly complex cases, working with highly traumatized victims and dangerous perpetrators. In the last three years, we've rescued uh, uh, in and around 600 um, um, 
victims of, of modern-day trafficking in this country alone. And, and what we do, we, we have this war in the Hope for Justice sort of head office in Manchester called the Freedom War. Every time somebody is rescued, we get one of these padlocks, and we put the name of the person who's been rescued and, and, we, and the date they were rescued, and we pin it to the Freedom Wall. And the wall is just covered with padlocks now. In fact, there's not enough wall space for all the padlocks that are going up. Why do we do that? Because actually, this is what the church does, isn't it? We celebrate what we want to replicate. So, so on. You, know, you tell stories about what God is doing somewhere else because you, you're celebrating what you want to replicate. So we, we, when someone is rescued, we celebrate that because we want to see it replicated. So really, what, what, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity of being here. What, what I really want to do is give you the opportunity to use the voice that you have individually, and perhaps as a local church, and the resources that God gives to you, that he gives to us, to think through what it means to bring freedom and hope to men and women, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, trapped in situations of exploitation right now. And uh, I, I, I believe that this is, you know, this is in line. If, if I could go back to, to any moment in history, really, I, I think I'd like to go back to that moment when Jesus is in Nazareth. And he sort of picks up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I think this is a huge kingdom missional justice issue of, of, our, of our era, of our age, of our time. And it seems to me, and philosophically, that this is when we were in local church leadership, Carrie and I, we carried this, and we think this lies at the heart of the vineyard, that when you genuinely encounter the presence of God, you cannot remain the same after that encounter. You know, it is a transformative moment. We are transformed and we are changed. When we encounter the Lord as he transforms and changes us, he downloads into us the heart that he has for his concerns. And, and if the vineyard taught me anything, it was that the Father has a heart for the poor. He has a heart for the vulnerable, for the needy, for the disadvantaged, for those that are trapped in cycles, as it were, who are caught up in sort of things like modern-day slavery. These things are close to the heart of the Father. So, so, so um, you know, I, I am convinced that when we engage in these sort of issues, not only does it reflect the heart of the Father, not only does it honour God, but it energises us in the local church as well as clearly impacting the lives of those who are around us. So let me just tell you a little bit more about the situation in this country very, very briefly. The government estimate that there are 13,000 victims of modern slavery trapped in our communities, hidden in plain sight sort of right under our noses, you know, um, made to live in cramped and squalid accommodation, forced to work in factories or nail bars, you know, car washes, bakeries, wherever, if, in all kinds of industry, from agriculture to waste processing, um, um, in places where, 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 where people are exploited 
And, and, and the latest stats show that there, there were 4,000 people reported as potential victims last year. And again and again, we're told that that is just the tip of the iceberg. And, and it seems to me, therefore, that we have a serious fight on our hands to be God's love in a very practical way and to do better by the most vulnerable and the most disadvantaged and the needy in our society. So, so, so what do those statistics really mean? You know, behind every number is a life. A human being with aspirations, with dreams, with hopes. A person like Lottie. And because of people that sort of get behind organizations like Hope for Justice, IGM, the Salvation Army, justice and care and justice in motion, as it were, you know, um, people like Lottie have freedom now. Their lives are transformed and changed. But what happens to people like Lottie shouldn't happen in our day and age. So it seems to me that if we are to reflect the heart of the Father, we have to work together tirelessly to make sure that it no longer does. And, um, <clears throat> you know, your engagement with these sort of areas, your support in this sort of area, <clears throat> you know, is the sort of thing that makes the end of modern-day slavery possible by the grace of God. So, so how do we do that? Just really, really quickly, you know, I've said a little bit about the prevention of exploitation. Uh, I just want to say a little bit more about rescue, uh, restoration and reforming. Um, in the end, even as I come to my last day with Hope for Justice, it, I, I'm convinced that, you know, that, that one of the great things that we do is we rescue people who are caught in modern-day slavery. And I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 82, that we, are, just, we need to be reminded of this, that we are to defend the weak and the fatherless, to uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, to rescue the weak and the needy, and to deliver them from the hand of the wicked. So, so our, our teams of investigators, you know, we, we proactively identify victims, as it were, and help them get out of the situations that they're in. We get them into safe houses, working, as I said, closely with the police. We're able to gather sort of intelligence together, and we reach victims who would simply never see the light of day. And these rescued victims can range, they have done in this last year, from the age of three months to 63 years old. And we, we, we opened our, our first sort of regional hub in 2013. When we did that, the number of rescues doubled. And this model that we have has now been replicated around the country and has been replicated around the world. So we're now operating in Norway, Cambodia, Ethiopia, India, um, uh, Tanzania, Kenya, and various other countries. But, but, but when someone is rescued, it is not just an event, of course. It is a process, and people need to be restored. That's why we're committed to helping people who've been in those sort of situations overcome the trauma that they find themselves in and, and to rebuild their lives. So, so that might uh, involve tailored restorative programs for individuals, initiatives, you know, from housing to welfare to employment skills, community engagement. And we advocate on victims' behalf for the support that they need. Again, the, the writer of Proverbs reminds us in Proverbs 31 that we need to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute, to speak up and judge fairly, to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So it's not just an event, it's a process. And you know, those of us who are part of this wider movement, 
that this conviction that we need to be doing something about it. Of course, celebrate every life that is rescued, every life that is restored. But ending slavery, I think, means that we need to engage um, at a reformational level. And we need to challenge the way that people think about this sort of issue in particular. And so there is movement, I think, in the whole realm of the charity sector, the political realm, the media realm. And we run sort of awareness campaigns. We train frontline professionals like the police, the NHS people that work in homeless shelters, to spot the signs of exploitation, to act on it. Apparently, we train, well, at the moment, we train 50% of, of um, frontline professionals in the police force um, in this whole area. They're working with organizations and companies from small businesses to huge corporations, not just in producing sort of policies and documentation, but uh, helping them work through their supply chain. So if you find yourself in a business or an organization and you want to make sure that your supply chains are, are free of slavery, we can help you with that. So just if you find yourself in that sort of role or that sort of position. But there is no doubt that change is needed. There are failures in, in the systems that, that, that are there to provide for victim care. Um, you know, th- there's not enough sort of, uh, sort of support to rescue victims or, and, or to help people avoid destitution and homelessness. Uh, so uh, we've worked in Parliament. We, we've briefed in the White House uh, on this work. And um, we're busy trying to sort of work in the whole arena of sort of uh, supply chains to sort of end exploitation in that sort of arena and that sort of area with a, 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 a new movement called the Slavery Alliance, which is really exciting. Now, as the people of God, we need to use, I think we understand that we need to use what God has given to us, you know, to, to change the situation. When we were sort of leading a local church, you know, we understood that that we we had to use the resources, the time, the talents, the energy that God gave us to change the situations of those who were impoverished, impoverished, those that were oppressed, those who were in destitution, those who are caught up in slavery, that we need to change lives, that we need to end oppression, we need to end slavery. And uh, and so, in part, you know, there are different ways of doing that. And as I've said already, we're not the only organization involved in this sort of work. You have something within your own community here that it's worth getting behind and supporting and praying for and giving yourself to. Um, there are other great organizations out there sort of doing tremendous work. Um, but if you are interested in any way at all in um, giving to or supporting the work of Hope for Justice, then there are different ways of doing that. Church do that with their budgets. We have people that like to be involved with us on a regular basis, uh, who, uh, who, who become guardians, and they pray on a regular basis, they, they give on a regular basis. And I'll just say a bit more about that in a moment. Because the truth is, we need as many of those people behind us as we possibly can. It should never be to the detriment of what you give and what you invest in terms of the local church, but maybe alongside. Because it's worth remembering that tomorrow morning, the traffickers will be getting up at four o'clock in the morning. And they'll be dropping off broken men and women in the factories where they go to work for 20-hour shifts, day in, day out. That's what happens. Pimps are standing on the street corners at night, plying their trade. 
these people are not staying at home and watching telly or watching the highlights of the Ryder Cup. That you know that, that they are relentless. And and our passion to engage with this, if we are to reflect the heart of the Father, has to be as relentless. So whatever you do, do something, is what I'd say. Uh, you know, and if you want to join us or engage with us a little bit along the way, then that would be amazing. If you wanted to help us prevent exploitation, to rescue victims of trafficking, to restore those victims, or playing your part in reforming the society we're a part of, that would be great. Because don't we believe that God is a relentless rescuer and restorer of those whom he loves? And he loves humanity. And don't we believe that freedom is worth the fight? Mm. That justice is a non-negotiable? And so together, you know, in a sense, we, we have to refuse to abandon the least and the lost. So I'm going to ask um, this John if he can just play this little clip about a, a girl called Mary whose life was completely transformed and changed by the work that we do. Marie grew up in Kandal province here in Cambodia. She lived in abject poverty. At the age of 10 years old, her mom and dad decided to move to Phnom Penh for a better life a better future. She worked in a cafe and then went on to cell phones. And then she got this opportunity, but she was tricked. Marie was taken to a place just like this. She thought she was there for a legitimate job. She went into the room, but the man tried to abuse her. She ran out to reach out to the owner to explain what was happening and ask him for compassion, but he had not and he forced her to go back into the room only to be violently exploited. Marie was just 13 years old. This abuse that she was subjected to lasted for two long years. So when Marie comes to our program, she doesn't want to stay. She doesn't trust anyone. She's just like staring. And if people come close to her, she's just like yelling. Like, I don't want you guys. Go away from me. Get me out. And she also stressed that she got to kill herself. Yeah. Yeah, because you were carrying a lot of pain. Yeah. Yes. And did we help with that pain? You man chui bao nè, tẹt tôn bàn chèn chui chạm nè. Bàn chui. Yes. Did it feel safe here? We mean so bạt tập hiệp chọn bên tai cọ tha đôi giấy chân pe đại hồ nơi nòng nắng pe dục khai dương kềng chân tơ mè rỏng hành đặc nè tè chìm xe. message that we say to Mary that sister you are self-recognized and we here is with you we're not gonna let you go back to that hardship situations again that you experienced in the last couple of years we're gonna hold your hand 
and walk across the journey of restoration. You are being protected and you can walk to reach your dreams. It's thanks to guardians, people just like you, that for the next two years, Marie was nurtured in a safe place, given education and therapy. I'm thrilled to say she is now graduated from our program and is pursuing her dreams in life. So when I see the girl graduated from the Hope Justice program, my heart is full of joys. And the message that I want to speak out to her and to all the teams at Hope Justice is like, this girl made it. Like, you got it. What she has had to walk through in her life is just unspeakable. She has given her all to beat the darkness in her past and she is a beacon of light and I'm just overwhelmed today. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that that girl is laughing, that girl is went back to see the girls in our program and she said, don't give up. She said, I know what you're walking through. I mean, you know, what a role model for us all. And I just want to thank you, you've met Plata massive part in her life changes. You are a hero to her, and she is a hero to me. Thank you. Today, we're inviting you to become a guardian. Because there are literally millions more girls just like Mary. A guardian stands up for the Marys of this world. A guardian rescues them. A guardian restores their dreams. A guardian reforms society to end slavery forever. Become a guardian today and change the life of a girl just like Mary. Is this one? Oh, that's better. Thank you. Um, that was Ben Cooley, who is a, a totally inspirational character, uh, who uh, was going to be, was a trained opera singer and uh, gave a career in uh, opera up uh, to found and to lead uh, Hope for Justice. And that was Mary, just a, a changed life, a transformed individual, an inspirational woman. And um, if, if you're interested in becoming a guardian, just on the back on the table back there, uh, alongside your welcome um, information and uh, your, your, your notices, etc., are some guardian forms. If you're interested in becoming a guardian, um, just fill one in, give it to me before you go. If you don't do it while I'm here, then it probably will never get done, is what I've learned. But if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Just pray for us. Please pray for the work that we do. But if you're interested in becoming a guardian, then fill the form in. Fill in as much info as you can on it. And if you can't fill it all in, we'll get back to you and we'll talk about it uh, over the phone with you or via email. But I am praying that in some way or another, you will be able to stand with us and with others that are involved in this fight to um, prevent crushing degrading exploitation of other human beings who are made in the image of God, who are made in the image of the Creator. And in any way that we can give ourselves to bringing freedom and hope to these men and women, to these boys and girls, then that is truly priceless. Because we know, don't we, that God has a heart for justice. 
he has a, a desire, a heart to restore that which is broken and damaged. That's actually part of my story. That's what he's been doing in my life, restoring that which was broken and damaged. And he wants to do that in the life of all of us in different ways. And he uses us to bring healing to others. And as he heals us, then we bring our healing to others as well. Each of us has known him as a savior. We've received his restoration. That is his desire for us. And then we become conduits through which his life flows through us and out into the lives of others. I was reading a Joel the other day and just uh, read this. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust. The other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. So throughout scripture we just see the this desire in the heart of the Father for rescue and restoration. And that's what we get to be a part of as followers of Jesus. We get caught up in God's great plan to bring healing, to bring wholeness. And maybe if you choose to join with us, then in this particular era, turn things around in the whole era of modern day slavery. So I thank you for listening. You're very kind. You're very gracious. Um, let me encourage you to pray about this. You may want to support about it and join with us in changing the lives of Mary and the many other people like Mary. Before I close, can I ask you to stand? Is that okay to stand? You, you all look far too comfortable. And let's just be still. Let's be quiet for a moment.